Wagwan fam. What's going on, hombres? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent Friday, the 13th of November, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Yo, what is it about the average person? What is it about us, the human ego, that can't stomach the painful, twisted truth of reality? Newsflash, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Is it really that hard to stomach? It's actually quite um, uplifting. It's quite freeing to know that we are all one. We are all equal at the foundations of things. No man or woman is above any other man or woman. And generally speaking, nobody cares. I mean, whoop-dee-doo. What the fuck? Like, you're a mere mortal, I'm a mere mortal? Get on with it! Outside my building, there is a parquet. There's like a little spot. I live in downtown Toronto. It's a little parquet, a bench, you know, a garbage can, a little sitting area, a parquet. And on this bench, every day, and I noticed this during pandemic especially because I'm at home, you know, bumping and grinding for you, keeping it funky for you here on the internet, you know, forced to eke out a entertaining existence on the internet. Well, tender blessings, tender mercies. Anyways, here I remain reporting live from duty from home. Out on this parquet, out on these benches, there's a group of these middle-aged men. Some of them are homeless. Some of them are just dudes from the neighborhood. But they congregate on this parquet bench every day. And they talk and they... Oh, fuck, buddy. Oh, I saw this the other day. Oh, really, really? Just bitching, whining, bellyaching, laughing, gaggling, guffawing, you know, till the cows come home. Just talking a fucking blue streak in public. What is it about the human ego that can't stomach the true painful reality? Nobody cares. Doesn't that just fucking flip your wig? Doesn't that just fucking strum your banjo? Doesn't that boggle the mind how, like, as individuals... An individual that would just seek attention. Positive, negative, it doesn't matter. Just as long as they're getting attention from random strangers. Random strangers. It's like I live on the fifth floor. I am five stories in the air with the windows closed. How is it that I'm hearing a conversation between a group of people five stories below me on a parquet bench. On a park bench. They're not talking 
to each other. They're talking at each other. Okay, now it's my turn to talk. Pointless blather, pointless babbling, bitching, belly aching, you know? Talking up fucking blue streak, commanding attention. It's just like, as an adult, when I walk out in public, you know, I'm very aware, spatially aware. I don't want any attention coming to me that isn't warranted. Warranted, positive attention. I don't want unwanted, negative attention coming at me. Isn't it negative attention that you draw to yourself when you just babble like an idiot pointlessly in public? Like, think about it. When you, you, the everyday person, when you're walking down the street, what would you rather hear? Birds chirping? You know, squirrels? Chittering in their little squirrel dens. Squirrels chittering in their little squirrel nests, you know? You know? The sound of the rustling of the wind. The rustling of the leaves on a beautiful autumn day. Basking in the radiation of a beautiful sun. You know, wouldn't you rather indulge in the tranquility of, you know, Mother Nature than just the needless babbling of some idiot who doesn't know how to pitch down their tone and speak to the person next to them in a civilized manner? Like, I don't get it. It's like, why are you speaking loud and obnoxiously, continuously, on a daily basis, you report... Like, they just plant themselves there like fucking vagrants and babble indefinitely for hours on end. It's like, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I'm not a perfect person. If you're new to the show, I'm not a perfect person. I just want you to know I found something for me To change the way I used to be A reason to start over new And the reason is you And the reason is you See, I'm not a perfect person You know? Sure, I don't fucking bitch whine and bellyache on a fucking park bench like the next man But, you know... I'll bitch and moan about it cowardly on a podcast. Well, vodcast, if you really want to get technical. Anyways, if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchan, the podcast. This is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, cabelliak, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all, the dear listener. Y'all, the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. My own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And if you have any questions or queries or qualms regarding the show, do hit me up. Please do. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You got questions, you got queries, you got qualms, 
hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And if you're enjoying the show thus far, getting a few laughs, a few chuckles, guffaws, gags, you know, razzmatazz, you know, please do help my black ass out for crying out loud. Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know, it truly is. <clears throat> well, now that we got all that out of the way, <clears throat> bit of a mouthful. If you are new to the show, I am an actor extraordinaire, stand-up comedian extraordinaire, you know? Performer to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Yes. I've been speaking on that for um, since December 2017, the inception, the conception of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. Since 2017, December 2017, we've been bumping and grinding with y'all. It's been a bit of a roller coaster in the fun sense, you know, mainly ups, not many downs, you know, pretty even Steven, you know, I've been enjoying it. And today we have some very exciting news on the show. One of the threads, one of the themes in which I, you know, squawk about time to time. As of November 11th, 2020, I am four, count them, one, two, three, four, four years sober. That's right, folks. Four years sober. Yes, I am an alcoholic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a thread, a theme that has been spoken upon on this show. And, man, today it feels really groovy. Feels like nothing at all. That's the beauty of recovery. It can be that simple. It can be that easy. You know, um, that's what I, what I have been trying to stress from the beginning, you know, um, from the beginning of my journey into recovery. It can be truly simple. It can be truly easy. It can be a chance for someone struggling with alcoholism or any other addiction to reinvest in themselves in a meaningful way for probably the first time in their life. That's what it's been for me. It's been a joy. It's been a blessing. You know, um, different strokes for different folks. You hear different people have different experiences. Some people are really hanging by a thread, clawing on to recovery. And, you know, it is a success. It is a triumph to go that hour without drinking, to go that day without drinking, you know? It truly is an accomplishment. And here I am four years in it, four years sober, and now it's like, yes, it's a blessing. And the ease of it is that it's also nothing at all. It's, it's my life now. It's my normal, everyday operation. It's not something I chart or manage or think about or have some sort of internal struggle with it's the reality of my new life i am a sober man 
Yeah. And, you know, that's not something to take lightly. Like, it is very important time, you know? Like, for four years, I have been, I don't even want to do the math on that. What is that? Three times four is 12, and then 65 times four is, I don't know. But, like, you know, let's call it 1,300 days. 1,300 days in the hole. 1,300 days sober. Right? Wow. You know? Time is very relevant. Yet time is irrelevant because we are in, we are in the now, the present. You know? Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is not promised. All we have is the now. And, you know, you hear that sometimes in recovery. Time is irrelevant. Yet, time is very relevant. There's a strange dichotomy in regards to time and sobriety. And that's definitely something for thought, you know, if that's relatable to anybody out there. My suggestion would be like, be accountable and protective of your time. It matters. If you can stay sober from one hour, then you can stay sober from one day from now. And then that will just grow and grow and grow to the place in which you value your sobriety. I mean, like I value my sobriety. It's not something I think about. It's not something I dwell on. It's not something that I have any struggle with today. But when I think about, wow, I'm four years sober. I remember not being able to go four hours. You know, when you're in that cycle of, you know, you're in active alcoholism where, number one, you have an allergic reaction to alcohol that when you take a drink, you can't safely say when you'll stop. And number two, the mental obsession, when you're like mentally obsessing about drinking, it's all you think about. When you're in that active alcoholism cycle, I remember not being able to go four hours. I mean, like, you know, I go to work, I get some money. Now I'm just, I have this idle time. There's no fucking way I'm going to make it through an evening without being blackout drunk. How can I stand the company of myself and my lousy, low-down, shiftless, rotten, spineless, good-for-nothing, bubble-gumpy, lousy, rotten, just a fucking dog's breakfast, you know, shitty fucking persona. I can't fucking stand myself. Makes me sick to my stomach just to take a look in the fucking mirror. How am I supposed to get through this evening? I need to be blackout drunk immediately. That was a reality. So time matters, you know, if you can keep it together for an hour, that can lead to two hours, to one day, to two days, to a week, to a month, to a year, to several years. Here I am, four years sober. It matters. But yet, all we have is the now. And time is irrelevant in that context. It's the present. Now. Now.
moment, moment, moment. Well, hell, I don't know. I'm not exactly the Dalai Lama here, but, you know, this is definitely food for thought. Or the Buddha, if we're going to talk about food, you know. You know, isn't Buddha fat? But you get what I'm saying, folks, right? Time. And um, I've also returned to liking people. <laughs> you know, alcoholism is many things. Uh, one outlook on it is alcohol and addiction is very self-centered, isolating behavior, you know? The alcoholic is usually quite self-centered, living an isolated lifestyle. It's just about me and my drinking. That's all I care about, and that's all I have the patience for. And I remember, I remember that loss of innocence. I remember it. I remember the switch. Because I always had a drinking problem. I started drinking at the age of 14. And I didn't quit until I was 30. So for 16 years, I drank. And I was always a problem drinker. From the get-go, I would black out. I would have erratic behavior. And it was always up and down. Some days I could drink like a fucking cowboy, a hardened fucking convict. The next day I'm flipping and flopping on the ground like a fucking tween-age drama queen. I'm drunk and I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> Some days I could hold it with the best of them. Some day I'm fucking slumped in the gutter. You know, I had no real stamina for drinking. You never knew what the hell was going to come out the other side. Put a couple drinks in me, Right. So unstable. And, you know, I remember that loss of innocence where it's like I'd always been quite a people person. You know, I'm a performer. I'm a storyteller, an entertainer. I'm interested in people. I'm interested in society, the world. But the self-centeredness of the alcoholic, the walls close in and they close in and they close in. To the point in which you become so self-absorbed and isolated. I remember just being like, you know, I remember the last three years of my drinking. It had to have been like summer, I remember it, July 2013. July 2013. In July of 2013, I went through a phase where my day jobs were just... I was drunk around the clock, waking up hungover. I was having a hard time holding it together in the day job, you know? Coming into work hungover, reeking like booze, slumped on the pavement, smoking a cigarette, you know, on your coffee break, just feeling like a dog's breakfast. I was having a hard time just paying the rent. And in my creative life, as an actor, as a stand-up comedian, I was getting bombed on stage. Like, you know, I'd show up to open mics. I'd just be fucking drunk, yelling at the audience, falling over, you know, drunk at auditions, you know, shit like that. Just a fucking train wreck. You know, a real fucking John Barrymore, you know. <laughs> Apparently he was a drunk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, God love him, you know. But, uh, you know, I was just a fucking train wreck. And like, 
I remember the loss of innocence where like a switch flipped in my head where it's like, you know what? I am sick of people. I am sick of everything. I woke up screaming, fuck the world, fuck the world. I'm checking out. I'm going drunk full time. And then there was a three-year period where I was drunk every single day. I went from being like a binge drinker, a problem drinker, to a daily blackout drinker. I was drunk every day for the last three years of my drinking. And in that time, the self-centeredness, the self-absorption, I'm just in my own little world. I got no time or no patience. I go to work. I make my daily paycheck. You know, I was working like as a temp laborer. I'd go to work, make my daily paycheck, and then I would just go directly to the beer store. No time for nobody. Just like as soon as that fucking, as soon as that fucking five o'clock whistle rang, whistle wang, whistle wang, as soon as that five o'clock, as soon as that five o'clock whistle rang, I'm off to the fucking beer store getting smashed and no time for nobody, disconnected, self-absorbed. And here I am today, the blessing of sobriety, four years sober. I am returning to liking people. It's hard to like people. What's in it for you? Ever think of that? What's in it for me to... (laughs) You know, as I spoke on the top of the episode there... We live in a world of cynicism motivated by self-interest. Isn't that what gets most people out of bed in the morning? Their wants, their needs, to be heard, to be seen, to make their money. What's good for the goose is good for the goose. Motherfuck the gander. You know what I mean? It's about me. Now, another look at that is like, well, personal interest serves the general public. That's like a economic viewpoint shared by some economists where I heard it, most notably Walter E. Williams. Personal interest serves the general public, you know? You got some fucking farmer in the Midwest, you know? He raises cattle. You think he's going to get out of bed every fucking morning to, you know, feed the fucking cattle? You're up there fucking milking cows, you know, shucking grain, shoveling fucking cow shit. Why? Because you have this altruistic viewpoint that you want to serve the general public by feeding the nation. Motherfuck the people. You make money selling agriculture, livestock, produce, farming. But in doing so, The people, the people are served. The hard work that a farmer puts in for himself, for his family, for herself, for her family, in turn produces goods for the general public to purchase, to sustain. And that's how the economy rolls around. You scratch my back, I scratch yours, and vice versa. Right? So a world of self-interest isn't necessarily bad it's just the nature of the human experience and there's always room for empathy and understanding and a heightened sense of community you know as 
beings that can think, you know, the human mind, you know, but it's that return to liking people that, um, (laughs) that I'm feeling because when I was trapped in my daily drinking, I just didn't have the time or the patience for people. I just really didn't. I was very self-absorbed. Yeah. And, you know, in doing that, in taking that time to have consideration for my fellow man, an empathy has been rejuvenated, reinvigorated within me. The other day I was at the bank, you know? When was the last time you did that, huh? When was the last time you went to the bank during this fucking pandemic 2020 (coughs) you know fucking masked up just to go take out a fucking 20 from the atm you know (laughs) some businesses still accept cash you know if you want to get discount sushi (laughs) if you like sushi you motherfuckers know globally there's some there's always some sushi deal five dollar (laughs) sushi cash sushi you know so i'm going i'm going to the atm to get fucking twenty dollars out to go get some fucking five dollar sushi blessed blessed and you know i roll up into the fucking into like you know how like banks nowadays they have like a vestibule like a little foyer where the atm machines are that is separate from the bank itself right so i'm in the foyer at the atm And there's this homeless drunk, just smashed. And he's sitting by the windowsill and... Go over there! Stand up! He's just mumbling and bumbling and barking at people, right? I'm like, holy moly. And you know when you type on the keypad, like beep, 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 like to type in your... to process your... um, transaction at the atm you know you got the little the little the little number pad and you punch in what you want to do right beep 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 beep. he's yelling at the people for doing it right oh stop with the beeping everybody's always beeping and beeping and beep beep squawking and belly aching and yelling at people right he's like what in the blood clot bumble clot fuck's going on right I look at this degenerate person, I'm thinking to myself, wow, drunk in public, yelling at people, yelling at strangers. That's a very dangerous way to behave. This is downtown Toronto, a mega city, a metropolis. People are on edge. People are on edge even before pandemic. Like you walk around the streets of any downtown city, any big city, any place where there's a lot of people gathered, There's always potential for violence, problems, fear, anger, aggression. These are tenements of the dark side, you know. Never had your mind on what he was doing. Always what can't be done with you. 
fear, anger, aggression. These are tenements of the dark side. You know, there's always fear, anger, and aggression in any fucking metropolis. You know? People never having their mind on what they are doing. It's always what other people are doing. Up in other people's business. Up in other people's space. Right? So, like, that potential for confrontation, violence, aggression, that's existed prior, pre-pandemic. So I'm, like, looking at this dude, and he's in, a, in an ATM vestibule. You know, he's in a bank, hollering and babbling at people, random strangers, in a downtown metropolis. I'm thinking to myself, wow, he's setting himself up for danger. Now... There were two ATM stalls, right? There was one ATM stall and another ATM stall. He's sitting by this stall. So I'm not going near him. He's aggressive. He's mumbling. He's yelling at people. I'm like, I'm not using, I'll I'll stand right here. I'll wait for this machine. He notices, right? It's funny how he can be in a blackout, but still notice how to be so nonsensical, but then to, it's strange. That's the cunning baffling nature of alcoholism on one hand he's totally out of it he's totally out of it he's just yelling at people fuck you what's the beeping just running his mouth like a complete mental patient but yet he has the wherewithal to notice that i am distancing distancing myself from him like i could go stand in that lineup but i don't want to be near him he's acting out he's acting crazy so i'm standing in the other lineup he notices, right, and goes, Oh, now don't just stand there in front of me, you fucking nigger. Ah, don't just stand there, you nigger. You nigger. Calls me a nigger. I was like, whoa. Right? And this is my return to loving people. There was like a momentary twinge of like, what? <laughs> and then it was like, oh. This person is severely troubled. The nonsensical, illogic nature of the cunning, baffling, powerful nature of alcoholism. He's screaming nigger at me, acting like a fool. I'm just thinking to myself, wow, this person's got a fucking, this person is asking for death. Like the slow suicide of an addiction coupled with a crazy, stupid, ignorant attitude. I was like, wow, this person is, he is tempting fate. I mean, I wasn't going to do nothing to him. I wasn't riled up that way. Like um, when you, when I've I've returned to my higher being, love of God and a love of my fellow man. You know, do unto others as you will have done unto yourself. I see this person is in a emotionally distraught place. He's full on in addiction. He's illogical, nonsensical. And he's just saying whatever negative thing he can. And it's just spewing out of him. And he cannot help himself. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This boy's out to lunch, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, wow. <laughs> this is downtown Toronto. You're willing... Like, I'm five foot eleven, fairly in... Sh- I'm in good shape. <laughs> you know, like, 
I'm the kind of guy where it's like, hey, I don't strike fear into the heart of every man, but you'd be an idiot to like just walk up on me and just start fucking shit with me for no reason. 5'11", 170 pounds, fairly good shape. You don't know what a person like that can do. You know, that's the, that's the mistake you can make with anybody. You know, when you, when you, when you discount another man, especially men, I mean, you never know, you know, a woman, you know, she could be a fucking problem, you know, she's got a fucking butter knife and she's in a bad mood, you know, you never know what she can get up to, right? But especially with men, where it's just like, I ain't, I ain't poking no man to anger. I don't know what motherfucker, I don't know what some dude, some kind of anger the average man has. I ain't, I ain't tempting that fate. So this guy's just hollering at me, calling me all these racial epitaphs. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this guy is asking for execution. Downtown Toronto. You know how many crazy, angry people roam the streets, some of which are black? You know how many times I've been walking next to some fucking... I remember one time I was walking by this black dude. He kept playing this game with me where he was like, you know, he's staring at me, right? And I'm walking, right? He's staring at me. And I go to one side of the street, right? And he, 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 he moves over to the side where I am. Then I move over to the other side. And he moves over to the side where I am. And he's kind of playing this chicken game with me. At the last minute... My ego got the best of me. Best of me. The last minute, my ego got the best of me. And I'm like, yo, fuck it. If it's on, it's on. So I just kept on walking straight, right? And then I'm walking right at him. He's walking at me. At the last, at the last minute, he stepped out of the way. He moves out of my way. But then as a parting jab, he goes, <coughs> you know, he pretends to bite at me. You know, this black guy. There's like a lot of crazy people of all races out there in this world and when this crazy white guy was screaming nigger at me you know it didn't move me in any way other than like I had some empathy for him I'm like wow this person is an alcoholic he's out of his mind he's lost in his addiction and he is asking for trouble and he's more than likely going to get it not from me but from somebody else I truly felt sorry for him because he was like middle-aged white guy. No, he was like probably early 60s. In his early 60s, drunken white dude, fucking Santa beard, just talking all sorts of buffoonery. And I remember thinking for him and having that empathy and, you know, the sadness of the situation too, where it's like, number one, I'm not of the world where... People can move me. I like to believe that I'm transcending that. Where it's like, yo, it's about me, my actions, what I do, do unto others as I'll have done unto myself. And the rest of it can go eat cake. Like, I'm not whatever. I'm not in your reality. (laughs) That's how you feel. That's how you want to be. All the best to you. And I remember thinking about him. I'm just like, wow, this guy's setting himself up for some problems. He's, he's, he's asking for trouble. 
few days later, maybe two, three days later, I'm walking down the street and I look up. And like, you know, when you can just, the sad reality of these types of people where it's like, they're so engrossed in their world of negativity and chaos, where it's like, you can be walking, but yet you you just notice something, just a certain little miss shuffle. They got a little, they got a little shuffle. They sell seashells by the seashore. Say that fucking 10 times fast. They sell seashells by the seashore. They got a little bit of a side shuffle. They got a little bit of a stupid kind of mumbly, bumbly kind of shuffle nature to them. You know, I feel so sorry for these people where it's like, well, you know, who am I to feel sorry for people? But it's tragic when their world is so chaotic and negative that they can't even do something as simple as walk down the street. I noticed this person walking and they're just kind of lumbering like an idiot. I'm like, oh, here comes something stupid. You know, like, you know, I was kind of in my own head. I was listening to a podcast and, you know, I just kind of noticed, oh, there, here comes somebody lumbering down the street like a complete idiot. I guess I better take a look just in case, right? Like, you got to protect your neck, right? So I look and it's the dude, Santa. <laughs> racist Santa, <laughs> the guy who was screaming at me at the fucking bank. I see him shuffling down the street. His face was fucking swollen. Black and blue bruises, eye all fucking closed. You know, walking around looking like Two-Face from fucking Batman. Harvey Dent was the ray of sunshine at Gotham. <laughs> the Joker. Your time's up. I'm coming for you. Motherfucker walking around looking like Harvey Dent. Fucking face all blasted up. And I was like, oh. I wasn't happy to see it. I didn't seek any kind of revenge against the man for his negative racist spewing. But it's such an example of like, wow, he he feels so poorly about himself that he's gonna go around and spew whatever negativity he can at people and then people are just gonna hate him and pile on him and beat him down even further than he beats himself down and that's my empathy that I dare have and this newfound returning to liking people that I have for my fellow man or woman or transgendered in between. Do unto yourself as you will have done unto others. Do unto others as you will have done unto yourself. You know, however you want to slice it. Makes sense. Seeing him like that, it didn't make me feel good at all. I just looked at him and he looked so pathetic. I don't take any joy in saying that, but that's how he looked. He looked pathetic. Like I said, he was shuffling down the street. He, he immediately grabbed my attention because everybody's walking normally. Then I see some poor, dejected soul, fucking shoulders stooped, head bowed, shuffling down the street like a fucking idiot. I'm like, oh, here comes something stupid. I better take a look just in case it wants to, you know, do something crazy and retarded. So I take a look. Sure as shit. It's racist Santa, face all beaten in, black and blue, stumbling down the street, 
So I've returned to liking people. And um, I'm not a perfect person. I'm easily annoyed. I don't hate people. I don't hold it against them. Like, I mean, I'm being honest in my retelling of this story. I didn't hate the man. I had no ill will towards him for his negative racist remarks. I just saw it as a poor dejected soul crying out in the darkness of night. You know, that eternal darkness of the lost soul, so to speak. Water off a duck's ass, quack, you know, didn't really, you know, didn't really tickle my, you know, didn't really get my goat or anything, but I am returning to liking my fellow man, even though they annoy the hell out of me from time to time, you know, gives me fuel as a comedian, you know. And, you know, helps me do my job. I can't really bitch, whine, squawk, belly, ache, and kibitz if I can't blame it on anybody. Now, can I? Isn't that what life's about? Blaming it on others? <laughs> so, and um, I just like to say that, you know, if you're a person out there and you're struggling, there is power in a 12-step solution. <laughs> now, this is where you turn it off. But before you do, um, hit that like button and subscribe. But um, there is power in a 12-step recovery model. Now, that doesn't mean it's the only way. It's what's worked for me. And, you know, there are 12 steps of recovery. They fall under various, um, you know, substance abuse programs. And, you know, there's a 12-step program. The first step being... Number one, we admitted we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. And once you admit that, once we have admitted that, it frees us up to take on the challenges and the rewards of a sober life. And, you know, I totally suggest that, recommend that to anybody out there, and also why it's so important to um, a part of the traditions of 12-step recovery is, you know, is to keep the name of the group out of the public eye, out of press, radio, and film. Because any misstep, any negative press for this line of recovery harms the name harms the program and like any institution out there on god's green earth like any institution out here in this societal dream the dream of the planet the man-made societal outlook not a divine knowing not a law of nature but within this societal fabric of um, an agreed-upon reality, you know, every institution is open to fraud, corruption, a lack of leadership, a lack of insight, 
You know, like for example, the Catholic Church. Think of the good that the Catholic Church has done in spreading a Christian way of life throughout the world. Do unto others as you have done unto yourself. The golden rule. Walk in the way of Jesus. Walk this way! Talk this way! What's this? Jesus trying to hold a marble? You ever hear that old gag? But anyway, like, get it? He's got holes in his hand. Can't hold a marble. But anyway, like, you know, think of the beauty that a Catholic outlook has shaped the world, a Christian outlook. Do unto others as you will have done unto yourself, the golden rule. Beautiful. But what about the kitty diddling? You know, kitty fuckers, you know, pedophiles, these degenerate low lives that, you know, are a parasite on the fabric of our, you know, society. They ensconce themselves in, like, you know, various Christian organizations, the Catholic Church, other branches, other denominations. They get in there just to, you know, kitty fuck. Are we supposed to just agree that Christianity is a religion of kitty fuckers? Of course not. You know, it's the man-made societal dream that corrupts and counterfeits and manipulates and misleads society and these organizations. So very similar to um, 12-step recovery. You know, people have it in their mind where it's like, Oh, if I join this 12-step recovery group, then I'm a part of a cult that da-da-da-da-diddly-dum-da-diddly-do. Any 12-step program worth its salt states from the gate. There are no leaders. There are no aficionados. There are no... There is no superior. It's a fellowship. It's a fellowship of people Striving, striving for recovery in a 12-step model. There are no leaders, there are no leaders, there are no followers. It's a group of people striving for recovery through a 12-step model. And any corruption that is internal is not a reflection of the program, but a reflection of, you know, the corruption of man. These groups get together and, you know, There's always a couple bad apples to ruin a bunch. You know what I mean? So that's the message that I'd like to spread. It's like, if you're looking for recovery, 12-step recovery is a great, um, a great option, a lot of insight to be learned from it. And any failings, any, any missteps that occur, any, any uh, corruption is of the man-made order. It's not of the actual principles and guidance of the group or the ideology. It's like a twisted extremism. (laughs) Getting political here, but it's like, you know, it's the failings of man. It's the failings of mankind. It's not the heart and spirit of the program. So keep that in mind, please. And, um, you know... Today, I'm sitting at four years of sobriety. I feel very blessed. I feel very, you know, 
at peace. Even that's a little bit hoity-toity. I don't feel anything. That's the ease and the grace that can be for anyone. If it worked for my black ass, it can work for anyone. You know? You can live a life free of alcohol, free of the mental obsession, free of the craving. And, you know, you can live with any belief system you want. I personally believe in God, you know? 12-step recovery is not dependent upon any belief system. It's a higher, it's a, it's a, a belief in a higher power of your choosing. It can be anything. Nobody's pushing religion upon you in 12-step recovery. And today I just feel blessed. You know, I have my connection with what I personally believe, my belief in God. Um... I'm still a fucking dummy, but um, somewhat more presentable. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic extraordinaire. Alcoholic extraordinaire. <laughs> ah, felt good. Opened my heart to you. You know, feel like the Tin Man. Take a fucking look. <clears throat> It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtaram. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent Friday, the 13th of November, 2020. Yeah, folks, I'm sober as a church mouse. Squeak! Four plus years. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms regarding anything, do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Send them in, folks. You know, holla at me jr.thepodcast at gmail.com Again, I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramtran.com And if you're enjoying the show, you know, help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. God bless. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Peace. Thank <laughs> you.